Welcome back to the Home with Havila podcast. Today, we are continuing our marriage series with one of our favorite reoccurring guests, Rebecca Labadiere, who is a sex and relationship coach. Havila and Rebecca are having a real and candid conversation all about healthy sex lives within our marriages. There is so much you're going to take away from this episode. But before we jump in, I have a time-sensitive announcement you're not going to want to miss. Are you a preacher or teacher and feeling challenged right now? We get it. Preaching and communicating can be hard and often intimidating. This is why Havila is teaching a free masterclass to help you on your communication journey. Whether you're a seasoned, experienced speaker or just getting started, she's giving you her best tips and secret keys to delivering your message and impacting the audience. She's even going to be doing a Q&A at the end for those who stick around where she'll answer your biggest questions about delivering a message and how she strategically walks through every part of the process. So mark your calendars for October 14th and join us at either 10 a.m. or 5 p.m. post-standard time. You can register at the link www.messageprep.com forward slash live dash training. You can also find that link in the show notes. We can't wait to see you there. Now let's dive into this conversation with Rebecca. Hi, you guys. Welcome to the Home with Havila podcast. This whole month, we're talking about marriages. Guys, marriages are no joke. I always say every year you don't kill your spouse is another year of success <laughs> because it is so difficult to merge your whole life and every part of you and share it with somebody else, whether it's your finances, whether it's your family, your kids, raising your children, uh, sharing families, sharing core values, all the stuff. And then on top of it, we add sex, a sex life on top of it, which is the most intimate part of our lives, as well as like a place we get some legitimate needs met. And so today I thought it would be really important to hold a conversation on sex, going through hard times together, no pun intended, and really trying to figure out how to do sex life well that God like wants us to and is tended. So Rebecca is a reoccurring guest on the Home with Havla podcast. Rebecca, welcome to Home with Havla. Thank you so much for having me. Bad. I'm so, <laughs> I know. Hey, you know what? It's, it's not a bad topic. Uh, why don't you tell everybody who hasn't heard you in the past on the podcast, can you introduce yourself and let everybody know what you do with your 24 hours a day? Yes. So I am a certified sex and relationship coach, and I work with couples to help them explore and be curious about each other and their sexuality in the relationship. But that bleeds over into every part of your life. Um, to live wholeheartedly and authentically, actually. It's true. And you are a wife and a mom of three children. I don't want to say four, but I'm not, I'm not prophesying that over you. <laughs> Most people do think I have four children. I technically <laughs> only have three. I you, <laughs> often, but <laughs> you do seem like a mom of four. Just being around you, you're relaxed enough to be a mom of four. <laughs> Well, hey, let's jump in for a few minutes. So we're talking about sex, our sex life, healthy relationships, and let's kind of work on setting the, the groundwork for a basic, healthy sexual marriage. So can you give us kind of some normalizing of 
what does sex look like in a marriage? What's the average person experiencing? Um, how do we know if it's not working? Can you just give us kind of some groundwork? Okay, so that is a very huge question. And I, normal is very relative and normal isn't always healthy or good or beneficial in, in, in my world. So certain things may be common or that's what everyone does. So we do it. And so it becomes a default instead of becoming the exception to the rule. And it's, I, I will get back to the answer. I'm going to go around the circle, actually. Um, so when, <laughs> when Sam and I got married or even dating, my whole thing was I wanted to be the exception to the rule. I didn't want to be like every other couple. There's that aspect. And then also knowing that relationships almost always have the same struggles and pitfalls and you you deal with different things if you are in a relationship with another person so that's where the normal comes in and so figuring out what brings connection so my whole goal is to help people recognize what helps connection or does not help connection and if it helps connection then do it if it does not help connection then avoid it find something that helps it. And so if it, a healthy sex life for you looks like having sex three times a week and that actually builds connection, then do it. If it adds strain and stress and frustration, then figure out another way to actually have the connection that you're longing for because sometimes sex becomes the scapegoat because all you want is some undivided attention, some FaceTime with your spouse. And you're like, well, the only way I can get it is if we're actually having sex. And then you're using it as a tool to manipulate instead of a way to actually, I want to get to know you better. I want to bring pleasure into our marriage. It's a means to an end instead of a um, experiential um, adventure together. Gosh, I, I love that so much because I always agree, like normal is relative depending on what works for you. There is no law. There's no biblical law. Mm -hmm. uh, there's no right or wrong. It is about what works for you. And I always say it's us against the world, meaning whatever works for us works for us. And that is when we find out what other people are doing, often it can confuse and intimidate and overwhelm us rather than like you said, figuring out that core desire and need and going from there. So I love what you said, Rebecca, about sometimes we'll use sex as like the, it, like everything, but it's almost like I have two different guys in my house. One is my husband and one is one of my sons and they love one-on-one -on -one attention. And if they can't get it, then it's going to be negative attention, but they want attention. And so if I'm just kind of faking my way through it and not giving them that undivided attention and connection, then they'll take it as a half-hearted, you know, uh, tension, but it's not really meeting that core need. So I love what you just said. I think that's really important for our listeners. So I'm curious, how do we discover what we really need? So that's, it's very simple, but not easy. It's actually okay. allowing yourself to sit with yourself and figuring out and asking the questions, what do I need and what do I want? And, and not the church answer, not the Christian answer, not all of these things that we've been fed 
you know, you don't do this, you do this, you feel this way, you don't feel this way, you don't feel angry, you don't feel frustrated, and, and allowing yourself to sit in whatever feels, wants, needs, and desires you actually have, figure it out, articulate it, and describe what it is, because if you don't know what you want, or what sort of connection, your spouse is always going to miss it. Wow. So basically you're saying, if I don't know what I want, then they're going to miss it because I can't actually articulate or even, I'm not even aware of myself. I think that's so true, becoming an expert in ourselves. So here's my question, like with COVID, everything that's happened, it's been a wild season for the human race, uh, but specifically in sex and marriage, I'm curious, like how, what's been happening in marriages during COVID and and what happens specifically when stress gets involved in our relationship? How does it affect our sex life? So COVID has done a doozy on every sort of relationships and marriages are getting the brunt of it because you haven't had to be together 24-7. You, get, you used to be able to go <laughs> to a job. You would do things outside of your home outside of your own individual family and then with covid you you feel out of control and when you feel out of control you want to start controlling things and you start potentially micromanaging your spouse your children and all of these things get triggered inside of you because you don't have another outlet and you potentially haven't um, figured out what you want or what you need because you haven't been put in the pressure cooker before. And so it's that's ultimately what we've all been put into. We've been put in a pressure cooker to see how much we can handle. And some of us come out um, better on the other side. Some are exposed, some are done. Yeah. Yeah, it's very true. Like statistically, marriages have really suffered in this season. And I'm it's I'm curious. I feel like uh, the picture in my head versus what's really happening is a constant battle of like what I think I should have or what I think I should be experiencing versus what's really happening. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that like you're kind of mentioning is the pressure cooker. I can't get away from them. They're always here. They're at their lowest because I always say when we're anxious, we're actually, we show up as the worst version of ourselves. And so I think it's really important, like you said, to take a inventory of what's really going on. And one of the things that I think I watch a lot of women do, and maybe men, is we have a tendency to blame the person around us for not being able to read our minds, not know what to do, not know how to pursue us. And I remember as an early like wife, I just assumed that if you really loved me and you really knew me, then he would read my mind. He would know what I need when I need it. And then when he didn't hit the mark, then I would just let him know you're missing the mark. And I think it's really a place of owning ourselves, owning our story, owning our relationship to get past that fantasy that somebody who loves me reads my mind and to get over the insecurity and the fear and say, Hey, this is what I need. Like I'm realizing I need this. And then I think the narrative is I'm needy. I have too many needs. You know, what if he doesn't, what is if he doesn't want to do that? Or what if he doesn't want to show up like that? 
but I think half the battle is just being honest. What do you think? Absolutely. I think honesty is huge and recognizing that we get to have needs. We are human. We all have needs and we were created for connection. The, the hard thing is we've also been told that, you know, if you love me, you'll do this or you'll just know me. And we try to create our spouse to look like us. See, <laughs> yeah. you need to do this and then we'd be fine. If you did it my way, <laughs> great. But in reality, we chose our spouse because they represent an element of us that doesn't get to show up. And so they are showing up as, as who they are to complement us. And so recognizing, hey, I have this need and I would love for you to meet it. And they are allowed to have an emotional response because they don't like that we have that need. They're allowed to say no. They're allowed to be like, well, maybe later. And mm. giving each other the opportunity to be fully separate people in the midst of being together. Totally. I totally agree. So let's talk about... <laughs> How is it when I begin to figure out what I'm starting to need, which is, gosh, I need more sex or I need more intimacy, or I need to be on a, I need to be like the way that I relate it is, you know, I've been on a travel schedule. And so I've been on the road quite a bit Mm -hmm. and it was just fine. Like, thank God for my history of managing my own needs, because God knew that I would be on my own a lot and that I would have to get my needs met in a healthy way outside of having a spouse that's waiting for me every single night. Uh, But what I found is like, it really takes me a minute. I think one of the triggers I find with myself is I start to feel like, gosh, I don't feel like a woman. I don't feel like I'm anything other than a cook, a cleaner, a chef, like a problem solver, a bill payer. And I, I lose my femininity, like the, the power of my femininity. And so one of the things I did last week is I was on a plane going home and I could feel my, I don't know, it was like a frustration of like, I'm out here by myself. I'm working really hard. I am getting a lot of attention. My husband's at home. And then I had to ask myself, what do I need? And the need was, I need a date. I need to feel like a woman. And so initially in my first years of marriage, I would have been like, I'm going to go home and then wait for him to pick up on my signals. Like I'm going to talk about somebody else and what they did for their spouse, or I'm going to say, gosh, it'd be nice to go out on a date, but I wasn't good at actually verbalizing, Hey, I need a date. And I tended to think that wasn't romantic and sexy, but that's not true. And so I texted Ben and said, I need a date. And he's awesome. He's like, okay, what do you need? And then part of me wants to say, well, you should surprise me. Like, if you know me, you'll surprise me. You'll know. But even still, I'm asking for him to mind read my needs. And so me owning my needs is I need a date where I can spend time with you. Actually, I don't want to go to dinner and have drinks and talk. I want a massage. Would you do a couple of massages with me? Yes. So that took me planning it, initiating it. And instead of looking at it as, oh my gosh, I'm the only one working hard on this, I have to say, you know, I'm setting him up for success because I can get my needs met with this one situation. So how many of us kind of put those in categories of they should know or they should be able to pick up 
how often is it that we have to actually flip the script and say, it's not, it does not lack sex, uh, sexiness to say, this is what I need. Yeah, that's huge because it's vulnerable to communicate your needs. It exposes you and says, if you don't want to do what I've just asked, it means you don't love some part of me. Like that's, that's a storyline we tell ourselves. And so wow. we beat around the bush. We, we hint, we tell about all these other couples because if we do that and then they do something, then we aren't exposed. Your whole scenario was you were willing to be exposed and do the work to let your heart and your needs and your desires to be known. And both of you probably had a phenomenal time instead of, we did. <laughs> instead of having this storyline in our head, like you communicated the sub dialogue. That's what I like to call it. Like I want, I want a date. And so then people will leave that there. Instead you communicated your wants, needs, and desires, the sub-dialogue, the story that you're telling yourself in your head actually got communicated to your husband so that he's able to walk it out. If not, he doesn't know what you're wanting, what you're expecting, or what you even needed. He would have been like, okay, last date she had fun, so we're going to do this. But uh -huh. it, it allowed you to grow and change and evolve and actually get to know each other where you're at today because last week it may have just been, I want dinner and drinks. And this week I want a massage. And next week you might want to hike. It's allowing each other to grow and change and not putting each other in a box. That's really good. I love that. To be able to realize it's like uh, the walls are movable. The idea is it's not set in stone. I think for men specifically, they want to kind of compartmentalize. Like, oh, you want flowers? I'll just get you flowers every time and I'll be done. And they're not understanding that women sometimes need there to be a difference. And it's hard to communicate that. It takes courage to be honest because it's a vulnerability, right? Absolutely. It takes a lot of courage. And you're willing to risk it. Yeah, I am because I'm at the point in my life where if I'm going to be faithful to one person and really build a sex life with that person, I have to have a core, um, core honesty, an authentic, like an authenticity mm -hmm. that even if their initial response is, oh my gosh, no, or I don't want to do that. I feel like I'm not betraying myself. I'm being honest. And whether the response accepts that is, is still the truth. Like I'm proud of myself. I communicated. And I think that's really important to to like affirm yourself in the fact that you're saying I need something different and I'm trying to say this is what I need. So here's my question. If people are beginning to communicate what they think or need, what happens like when we want to connect with our spouse, but all they do is think of it as sexually. So, you know, a lot of times I, with a lot of women that will initiate connection and it goes right to foreplay it goes right to sex and they're like I need I want to be close but I don't want there to be a grand finale every single time he hugs me or every time we get to bed and I want to cuddle now it goes into like a full-blown performance I don't want to do that so how do I get intimacy without it being just sex so that is something to dig into but 
I would start with how often do you have sex and what are they really wanting? Are they wanting a connection? If you have children, oftentimes sex is the only way to get undivided attention from a spouse because uh, children are pulling on you and you're both exhausted. So if you're going to show me any form of physical affection, I'm going to jump on it because I don't know when I'm going to get it again. So, yeah. so that is a thing. And sometimes, and I may have said this last time, it's like the kid asking for a cookie. The more you ask, the more it ups your chances of actually being given a cookie. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's this, you know, give an inch, they'll take a mile. It's because they aren't given an inch very often. And it could be either or the man or the husband or the wife. And so being willing to actually talk about it, because if it goes from I'm giving a hug and all he wants is sex and I'm stereotyping here, there's, there's a lot of verbal communication missing. Yeah. From yeah. Yeah. There. And so I, I will always encourage people over communicate, talk about what you're actually thinking and what happened today or why do you need extra connection or do you feel deprived or is it is there trauma is there a hurt is there something that you're not getting somewhere else does that make sense if you're just absolutely i need to feel satisfied at home and if our relationship's not good but at least i'm gonna have a release and feel good about myself then I'm going to push that spot because I know it's consistent. Even if the way we get there may seem semi-dysfunctional and it's just a means to an end, at least I know what to expect. I totally agree with that. I I would definitely relate to that, that even when uh, Ben and I are at a tough spot and we we tend to be out of sync, sex tends to be an ability to sync up quickly and at least have a minute of, pleasure and release endorphins all the things and then I find sometimes it's easier to talk after the fact so for women we have a tendency to want to talk it out before we get intimate but for men I not always I'm stereotyping but for men in general I find that they would much rather feel close intimately and then turn around and talk about the things that you want to talk about so I think the power is often within the women's control and you know sometimes we feel like oh you know men are powerful that's all they want whatever but I I tend to think it's completely opposite I think the power is within the woman I mean a man a woman will deny sex because she's not emotionally there or ready or needs some time it's very rare for a man to say I really just need to talk to you I'm not really ready to go there I love that God made at least the men that I, the man that I'm with and the men that I, my friends that have talked about, it's usually a yes, let's get connected and then we'll talk about it. So that's the part for me personally, again, this is Havilah. That's the sacrificial part that I bring to the relationship of, yeah, I could fight for not talking and not being intimate, I should say, and requiring a long conversation about something or I could have a moment where he feels really close to me and connected and feels has an endorphin high. And then I can bring up the thing that matters to me. And it's almost like he has ears to hear that he did not have before. 
So I don't know what that is, if that's a biological level, but for not everybody, like I don't recommend that you have intimacy, he rolls over and you never talk about it. But I'm talking about for some, you are fully in control of how this thing plays out. And so if you don't want to have sex and you don't have to, I mean, there's nowhere in the Bible that says that somebody gets to demand sex from you. Uh, sex is a gift. It's, it's a, not a right. And we, uh, our bodies are theirs and their bodies are ours, but we want to have respect at the highest level, right? We never want to force somebody to feel that they're just a piece of, <laughs> a piece of meat that's just there to solve their problems. But for me, it's about becoming an expert with your spouse to know where now some guys, they're going to want to sit and talk. They don't want to be intimate until they connect. So again, it depends on who you are, but I'm with you, Rebecca, like know your spouse, know how it works. And at least in my life, I find that some of the difficulties is this, that we haven't connected sexually. And once we connect sexually, all the pressure, kind of the, the built up tension of individual needs and all the things kind of soften or lessen and then there's grace to talk about things it's a really profound thing and I I think it's biblical as well like there's a there's something really profound that God did where he knew there would be a bonding that no one else could see that was not visible to the eye but internally is it's a sacrificial way to love someone and meet their needs in a sexual way so here's my question um what happens if somebody is listening to this and they're saying I I want to have more sex in my marriage and I don't know what to do because it feels like my spouse is uninterested or, you know, they have to take a pill before they can perform and it just feels less sexy. What, what, what do we do? What's the best way to navigate that? Okay. So the first thing I would ask if, so let's say someone came in to me and said, Hey, I want to have more sex and my spouse just isn't interested. So first thing I would ask is, would you be interested in you? Because oftentimes we put it on our spouse as the issue, the whole blaming thing, and an unwillingness to take ownership of our part in the role that we play in the dance that we do together. Um, I was just listening to a podcast by Esther Perel, and she made this quote is, it takes two to make a pattern and one to change it. And every relationship we have patterns and, and we just go about our days, either it's conscious or subconscious. And if something's not working for us, we often want the other person to change it instead of actually saying, hey, where is my responsibility in this dynamic? And sometimes we're not pleasant to be around so why would they be interested? I wouldn't be interested in me if I am barking orders and yelling at everybody and frumpy as can be because I just quit caring. That's not yeah. me. Yeah. And so that would be my first thing. The other thing is if he has to, he or she has to take a pill to be interested, I would say, check the hormones, check the stress levels. Mm. Are you sleeping? Are you engaging in um, present face-to-face -face, um, human interaction? Because there are so many distractions in our life right now that we don't have to emotionally engage. And so 
anytime you have sex, anytime you want to emotionally engage with your spouse, it takes a toll. It's worth it more often than not, but there is an emotional cost. And right now with COVID and everything else, everything is being brought up that many people are unwilling to pay the toll that it's going to take to emotionally engage because they've disengaged so much because of all the extra distractions that it's not worth the mountain they now have to climb. And so I would say baby steps. Take, take a minute, figure out one thing that is hindering connection. Because if we try to change everything today, we're not going to stick to it. But if you can make small gradual changes, okay, I am going to do my hair today. And I haven't done it for three weeks, but today's going to be a day I'm going to do it. Or I am actually going to go move my body, whether it's just stretching, going for a walk, or I'm going to laugh. Like allowing yourself to do things that actually help your um, mental state because we are stressed, we feel out of control, we feel the chaos of the world. And so we internalize it and don't actually process. And so not very desirable. Gosh, I think that's so brilliant. It's almost like we expect our brain and body to disconnect from everything else we're experiencing and somehow perform <laughs> at that moment. And like you're saying is you have to actually like look at yourself as a body, soul, and spirit. Mm -hmm. And so sure, you can have an orgasm. Yeah, you could. I mean, you could do that on your own. You don't need somebody else to help <laughs> you do that. So you know what I mean? Like the idea of engaging your spouse is somewhat sacrificial, but it's also like a unique, how do I say? It's knowing what you need. So when it's time to connect, you know how to do that, like in a unique way. Like for me, I'll just give you an example. Sometimes with four boys and a full working life and all the things, the last thing I feel like doing is connecting intimately because my touchometer is filled. I have four kids that are sitting on my lap, kissing my face, holding my hands. I've got a dog who is relentless. <laughs> I have all my needs in that way have like are getting filled. My touch-o-meter is filled, but my intimacy level with my spouse is something that I have to consciously think about. And so for me, some of the things I think about is a hot shower, you know, where I like shave my legs and I put my makeup on and I feel like I'm dating, you know, like I'm dating my spouse. I want to look pretty for him. And I want to look feminine. Yeah. He loves me no matter what I can wear sweats and he would still be very happy if I showed up in bed at night. <laughs> but in general, I like the way I feel when I bring myself into a femininity and sexiness that he doesn't naturally need from me, but really appreciates. I like the way it makes me feel. Does that make sense? Like it awakens something in me to go, I'm not just a mom and a caretaker and a chef and a medic. I am a woman. And then another aspect is to get out of the atmosphere. So I think for a lot of us women, we want to be sexy, but we're sitting on the same couch with the same toddlers, with eating the same meal. And we want our brains to, to register as 
sexy and feminine or masculine. So my thought is get out of the environment. So like you said, take a shower, go for a walk. Uh, for me personally, my go-to, you guys are going to really know my secrets is I have to watch a romantic movie. It's very important for me to watch. And I don't mean like a steamy, sexy movie, but a movie that is purely connected to femininity and masculinity. And what I felt like when I was a single woman that longed for a man. And that right there can get me kind of ready to go to where when I do get to be with my spouse, I'm like, oh my gosh, I have a, I have a man. And he wants me and I get to live with him. And I kind of go back to the basics. Is that sound, does that ring true for what, I, what you're talking about? Absolutely. The other thing is, is we all have this idea of what sexy is or what beautiful is or what femininity is. And we get to each describe it for ourselves. Like, like you said, shaving your legs and making yourself feel feminine it's more about us and how we carry ourselves because confidence is sexy. And when we feel good about ourselves and we can strut it, our husbands are going to just, they're love it, whatever it is. So if you can rock sweatpants, I don't normally recommend it because we often wear that to hide and be cozy. And then it's automatically a saying and not interested tonight. But if you put on a silky rope, and that is your comfy lounge clothes. It, it gives you the feeling of femininity and beautiful and the touch of the silk on your skin actually feels pleasant. And lingerie is more for the women than the men. Like you put it on. I agree. I totally agree. And so it is, it is a confidence thing. It is a how you carry yourself thing. And it's not about anyone else. It's all about how you own, how you're showing up. So if you need lingerie, rock it. If you don't, no problem. But how are you choosing to show up and have that sex life and that marriage that you've always longed for? You have to put in the work. Like in movies, it didn't just happen. It took so many takes to actually get a good first kiss or the chemistry that took time and so allowing yourself to not check out after the wedding day or after the first year it's a continual exploration and getting to know them all over again because I'm not the same as I was when we got married and we tend to keep each other in boxes and say, well, this is what you said and this is what you liked. And so that's where it stays. And you, I'm going to circle back around to something you said about being authentic and honest with yourself and your husband. If we can't be authentic and honest with ourselves, we will never believe our spouse truly loves us because we're only showing them a facade of who we really are. And so you will not have the intimacy. You will not feel the love and the desire that you long for until you can actually own who you are authentically and honestly. Okay, so wow, that is so profound, Rebecca. So basically, we if we are not authentic and really show up, as ourselves, then we kind of betray ourselves. And there's a, there's almost a false sense of sexy and vulnerability in life 
but you're saying like, if we do the work and I, I just love, I love the phrase, do the work because there is work involved, but it's not striving. It's the work to know what I need, the work to actually not just go from like, one of the things I was thinking about is I have to know what is important to me so that I can show up fully in my sex life. So one of that is you know, for my, for spouses, you, they can go and the way that God created them. And again, I hate compartmentalizing because there are people that are going to be like, that's not my story. So for the sake of, you know, hopefully if this doesn't relate to you, please ignore it. I'm just kind of talking out of my own experience and with some of my girlfriends is that for a man, God created them to just show up. Like I remember when I first got married, I said, wow, if I just show up naked, it's, it's pretty good. That's kind of what I need to do. <laughs> but in my brain with everything that had been marketed to me as a young woman, it was lingerie and looking perfect and exercising and being this and being that. And the truth is that's not for them. That's for us. That's for what makes sense for me. So like you said, if you have a sexy sweatshirt that you just love and makes you feel like you're 19 and you're back to yourself, then wear that. We're not talking about one size fits all. We're talking about what works for you. And so I love that. I think that gives us permission to just be ourselves. And I think for me, I mean, for me, at least the flirting, the connection, the hugging, it takes 20 seconds to transfer healthy endorphins and serotonin with each other. So Ben and I will try to do a 20 second hug or embrace in during the day at some point to get those endorphins kind of exchanged and then a sexy text message or a, Hey, I made you the dinner that you love. And you're constantly putting into the bank account. So when there's a withdrawal, you're ready to go. And so for me, I mean, that's just, that's gold. And to be honest, I find that I, and this is like a sex talk. So I hope your kids aren't listening to this, but I orgasm better when I have been warmed up, when I feel like I have been thinking of myself as a woman and getting kind of sexy all day long, I'm way more prone to have my whole self show up rather than being like, oh my gosh, I'm just trying to be here in the moment, but I'm distracted by the kids and the laundry and all the other things. So I, I just love it. Rebecca, let me ask you this. There's so much we could talk more about, but let me ask you, where can people connect with you if there's more to the conversation that they want? I have a website and Instagram. It's rjlcoaching.com and then rjlcoaching on Instagram. And I just wanted to say one of the things that is huge is we haven't been taught about sex and sexuality other than it's bad until marriage or even then you can't flip the switch. And so figuring out why you believe what you believe about sex and sexuality, because being feminine has not always been encouraged. And being a woman, which includes emotions and feelings and everything that is stereotypically not always encouraged, it's embracing all of that because and the pleasure aspect of who we are as women, because if we can't show up in life 
um, as a woman, enjoying the pleasures that life has to offer. And I'm not just talking about sex. I'm talking about eating, outside, relationships, connection. We compartmentalize, which is what you've said you don't like, which is awesome. <laughs> because we get to experience life and having sex is another aspect of that. And absolutely, if you feel connected, if you feel beautiful, your orgasms will be so much better because your, your body has lined up with your head or your head has lined up with your body and you get to go wholeheartedly, whole bodily into an experience instead of just checking the box. Gosh, I totally agree with that. I don't know about you, but sex has become so much more enjoyable now that I have, you know, well, we, there are times we've looked at each other and go, we're never going to do that again. <laughs> and then there are times it's like, I can't believe we never did that for years. That is like amazing. I love it. So again, as a girl who was raised as a good Christian girl who was not talked about any of this growing up other than it like was something you'll enjoy when you got married. I have such a great sex life, but it has to do with counseling, has to do with uh, learning about myself. The better I got with boundaries and physical health and mental health and emotional health and relational health, all of that plays into my sex life. And that has been, I think, profound for me. And I had no idea. I had no idea. So Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. Will you please come back? You are such a gift. Absolutely. And <laughs> I do want to make a little plug for myself. I yes. just did a sex perspective journal and it is on Amazon. If you just go to my website, there's the link for it there, but it helps you. It goes through the journey and the process of why you believe what you believe about sex and sexuality. And it hopefully will just help you broaden your perspective and understand why you believe what you believe and figuring out if what you do believe is helpful or hurtful. Because oftentimes we go into relationships with a belief system that, you know, that's just the way it is and find out. Your spouse has a very different belief system and figuring out why and where they came from. And if it's helpful, awesome. If it's not, you get to change it because you get to be in charge of your sex life and your sexuality. You get come to on, you get to choose. Gosh, I love that. Like, let's be powerful in this area. Oh, I love it. If you're not happy with it, you can change it. I just believe that wholehearted. Uh, it doesn't mean that you even have to change your spouse. I know that sounds funny, but it really is about your own journey. So, wow, Rebecca, you're incredible. I will throw all that in the show notes. So nobody misses their opportunity to purchase that and use that as a resource in their lives. And um, if nothing else, you are such a gift. And I hope that uh, so many people around here got something out of this. I know they did because it was in, it's always insightful, even for somebody who's been married for 15 years. And um, for those of you that, that listen to this podcast and you like it, can you help us? Can you please leave a review and leave us a few stars? I know every time we do podcasts, everybody asks for this, but you have to understand people cannot find this podcast 
without reviews and without stars. So honestly, the best thing you can do to help us be successful and like if this ministered to you, will you just leave a review? That would give us a chance to know that it matters and you like the content we're giving you. Other than that, I hope you guys have a fantastic day. Rebecca, have a great day and we'll talk to you all later. Bye-bye. Thank you. Wasn't this such a good conversation between Havla and Rebecca? We hope you left feeling like you now know how to take a step towards intimacy and connection in your marriage. Don't forget to register for Havila's free masterclass on October 14th to learn how to perfectly deliver a message and impact your audience. Again, you can register at www.messageprep.com forward slash live training for our 10 a.m. post-standard time class or our 5 p.m. post-standard time class. And make sure you stick around until the end for that special Q&A time with Havila. We'll see you there. Um.